just share a little bit of an overview of his life, and then um, we're going to dissect a little bit of these, uh, part of these stories here and, and see how it can apply to us. And one of the things that I have realized is, is in Scripture, when it comes to the people of the Bible, uh, Scripture's pretty honest. You know, we, we hear the good about people and we hear the not so good about people. It's, uh, it kind of helps us grow, and, and we can see ourselves through, through lives of people and understand that God works through broken people. But one of, when it comes to Stephen, though, is one of the few people that actually, uh, there's nothing bad said about him. It, it's all really good stuff. And, and, and so what we're going to do is I want to kind of give you a little bit of a, uh, to kind of visit what, what, what Jason was talking about last week and, and to kind of set the stage here. See, the church, the early church was growing. And the apostles and the, the people that had, that had the job of teaching and preaching, they, they needed to continue to do that in order for the gospel to go out. So the church was growing. More people were coming in. So there was ministry that needed to be done. And so because people were being neglected, and in this case, it was the widows and the orphans, or the widows that were being neglected. And so they needed help. And, and so they got together, the apostles, and said, we need to get some people. So they chose seven to help us do ministry. And it wasn't uh, a conceited or, or an arrogant request. I mean, it wasn't that, that we're so important that, that we need to have some, some people to do these menial tasks. It was that this was my call. My call was to pray. My call is to, to preach and to teach. And so we need other people to care for, for the people of the church because it was growing so fast. And so, so Stephen was one of the seven but one of the things that, that, that we have to understand, though, that he was, he was part of the, the, the seven that was uh, the first deacons of church. And they were taking care of the widows. And, but, but you want to know why he was chosen. And I think that's important for us to realize why Stephen was one of the seven. It wasn't, you know, just some task that we, we just need to pull a warm body. Let's just get someone in there and do it so the important people can do the important things. The Bible says that he was full of the Spirit and full of faith. And I think that should be a prerequisite for anybody that does anything for God. Let's be full of faith and full of the Spirit. But another thing that we're learning from this is that a church that is growing will always need more servants. And so we're going to go through the life of Stephen here, and you, we're going to find out that he took this humble position, and he uses it to do some mighty things for God. So that leaves us where we are today. So, so Stephen is chosen, and he's helping the widows, and he's serving God. And, and, and all of a sudden, he, it says the Bible says that he's starting to do some great wonders and signs among the people. And, and all of a sudden, the, the synagogue of the freedmen, the, the people that actually arrested Jesus and killed him, they kind of took notice and said, you know, what's going on here? Because you know, we, this is a kind of a religious group. They have their traditions, and all of a sudden, they see Stephen doing some stuff, and, and they kind of question that. And so they start to dispute him. And all of a sudden, he gets hired as a, in a church, and then all of a sudden, there's opposition. So anytime God's at work, you've got to be prepared for opposition. So that leaves us where we are today. And we're going to start in verse 10, chapter 6. And it says this. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit in which he was speaking, talking about Stephen. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him and seized him. They arrested him and brought him before the council. 
and they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like a face of an angel. And that's how chapter 6 ends. They, they grab a bunch of people and they lie about him. And they say, this is what he's saying and this is what he's doing and it's all false. And so we turn the page to chapter 7. And the high priest asks Stephen a simple question. And he says, are these things so? And so we wait for Stephen's response. And you think you put yourself in that position and, and you say, well, what's your response? Well, no, there's a bunch of liars. I don't, you know, th this is untrue. This isn't something that's real. This is, I want to defend myself. But that's not what Stephen did. He's, his response was simply this, brothers and fathers, hear me. Another translation says, listen. And then what he does, he doesn't go and defend himself. What he does, he starts to preach and it says that he given a speech, but really it's, it's, a, it's a preach, it's a, a sermon, it's an amazing message. He quotes the Old Testament, he brings Jesus into it, he brings the gospel into it. And what he's going to do is he's going to show these Jewish religious people how lost they really are. And for all these verses, all he does to defend himself is just preach the truth of God. And this has Stephen's first message and it's going to be his last because they kill him right after. So that's a general overview of his life. And, and those are the, the chapters, the verses that we're going to go over today. But, but what can we pull from his life? What can we pull from these chapters that, that, that we can learn? What is God saying to us? Well, I think there's two things. One, why would you ever want to work at a church? <laughs> Chapter 6, Stephen, you want a job? Sure. Chapter 7, dead. Not a good day. Pray for us. But another thing that, that we need to understand is I think we can look at Stephen's life through the lens of leadership. That I believe Stephen was a leader. I believe he was a kingdom leader. And you, and you kind of say, well, why do you say that? Because he didn't lead any armies. He didn't lead any people. He wasn't up there preaching. He doesn't, he didn't, I didn't see him leading anybody. Well, I guess it, defend, it depends on your definition of leadership. And so in order to do that, we got to understand what leadership really is. But the question that we're going to ask today while we're going through this is, is not if God is calling you or not is God calling you. But how is God calling you to be a kingdom leader as well? So the definition of leadership, the best definition I could find is from John Maxwell. And it says, leadership is not about titles, positions, or flowcharts. It's about one life influencing another. It wasn't about his title. It doesn't matter what your position is. It's anything. Leadership is simply influence. And so real leaders are willing. And, and so we're going to go over some things that, that leaders with influence have. You know, you have to be willing to do some things that other people aren't willing to do. 
You have to be ready for things that maybe other people aren't willing to be ready for. You have to, to be bold in areas where, where other people may be more timid. You have to endure some things that people might not be willing to endure, and you have to know your call. And so Stephen had all that. And so we're going to unpack all this here this morning. So the first one is real leaders are willing. What are they willing to do? Whatever it takes. Get up on stage and preach. Take care of the widows. It doesn't matter because what, what Stephen realized and what, what we need to realize today is there are no big jobs and little jobs in the kingdom of, jo- of God. They're all big jobs. And they're all essential, and they're all important. See, the apostles' ministry of teaching and prayer was essential, but so was serving tables, and so was caring for the widows. As the church grows, we're going to need more servants. And I think it would be wise if we all kind of make room in our lives to do things that we're not necessarily thrilled to do. So then we might be able to maintain that role and that attitude of servant, to do things that, that maybe we don't feel like doing because we, we maintain that role of servant. I remember when I came on staff here, I was just doing the books. That's what I was hired to do, do some administrative work, and that's about it. And I remember it was on a, on a Tuesday. Pastor Steve, who was a, the pastor before this, basically hired us and mentored us, everybody on staff here. And, and uh, he comes up and said, Ty, come see me in my office. Yes, sir. So I go in his office, and he says, Ty, we're going to make you a pastor. I'm like, okay. I remember saying two things to him. First one, please don't put me on the stage. And he just smiled, and two weeks later, I was on the stage doing announcements, which I rehearsed for a week before that. I was miserable. The second one, I asked him, I said, so you're going to make me a pastor. What does that mean? And that's where he smiled and he leaned back in his chair and he says, it means you're going to be the church janitor. It means you're going to stack chairs and unstack chairs more than you ever want to. It means you're going to run errands. It means you're going to do whatever is needed to be done. That's the definition of a pastor. Nothing is below us as Christians. We should approach every service opportunity the same manner as Stephen is. If it's for God's glory and if it's about God, then I'm willing to do it. There's no big jobs. There's no little jobs in the kingdom of God. And I think that we need to be careful not to let anybody, anybody outside our circle, in our circle, and not make sure that that we're not elevating ourselves beyond the title of servant. Because in reality, that's all we really are. If they're honest, we're just a servant of God. And that's regardless of our title in and out of the church, regardless of our platform in and out of the church, regardless of our gifting or our calling or our success. Because people define success and the world defines success much differently than the kingdom defines success. Success in the kingdom just really means servanthood. And that's what we want to do. We want to be servants, doing something outside ourselves, doing something outside our comfort, be willing to die. And we say that we're willing to die, but is it true? I mean, you look at the the life of Stephen, like he literally died. And I was reading this and I was studying it this week and I asked myself, am I willing to die for my faith? 
Like, really? And of course, I come with the answer that most of you will come up. Well, of course, I'm going to willing to die for my faith. But then I complain about every little inconvenience of everything else in my life when it comes to ministry. We're doing this fasting before this, this 24-hour prayer that we did. And everybody who was involved, Pastor Taylor did this teaching before we did the 24 hours. And he told everybody that was there that if you were fasting and you're here, that you are heroes. You are. Thank you so much for everybody that was a part of that. But we're on this Daniel fast. And so it was dinner, and, and, and Brandon said, I made dinner, and it's, it's potatoes and broccoli. <laughs> and I'm about ready to lose my religion. And I'm like, and, and so the next day, I'm like, I can be paid. I can do this. It's, it's you know, 10 days, whatever. Next day, potatoes and broccoli again. <laughs> and so, and then she made a snack, and I'm like, oh, great. And it's carrots and hummus. And this body wasn't built on carrots and hummus. <laughs> uh, working on it, pray for me. But it's true. I'm willing to die for God, but I'm going to complain about this. We boast of our willingness to die, yet we complain just for the slightest inconvenience against our preference and our comfort. Acts 6.8 says, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. God's favor was on Stephen because he had a deep devotion for Christ. He had this willingness to do whatever it took. He had this deep devotion for the church. Whatever it takes, whatever the job, whatever is needed, all for the glory of God. Stephen was willing. But he was also ready. Stephen was ready. Real leaders are ready. And we need to be determined to be ready for the call. When anytime God calls us to do anything, we got to be ready. And, and that's the real reason why Stephen was asked to, to do what he was asked to do in the first place is because he was ready to do the job. He, was, he, was, he prepared himself. He was, he was ready to do the work of, of God. And, and, and we see that there was a fullness about him. And if you look at the scriptures and you look at the, the list here that that shows, this, is, this describes Stephen. He was full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of God's grace, full of God's power. That is a man ready to do the work for God. And, and, and to be full means is that we're, gonna, we're complete, we're covered over. He, he understood that, that without God, there's an emptiness to him. And he needed more, and, and he wanted to be used, and so he was determined to be ready. And, and, and so what does that look like? You, know, you hear people sometimes saying that, that they stop going to church because they don't get fed. And I get that. That's, that's fine. I mean, I hope that you come to New Song Church, and I hope you get here on Sunday, and you're fed. But if you're only eating on Sunday, the rest of the week is going to be tough for you. And you got to feed yourself on Monday and Tuesday. And, and this is a man that, that did that. And because he did that, he was be able to be used for God. See, if you feel like you're not being used, if you feel like you're not doing everything that you're called to do, or, you don't, or you're not motivated to go past your preference or your comfort to do something for God, i got to ask you, how full are you? Because when you're full, your preferences change. When you're full, your desires change. When you're full, the why behind what you do changes. And this was a man that did that. 
Everybody wants to be a successful athlete, right? Everybody wants to be on the highlight reel of ESPN, throw the game-winning touchdown. But to play, you have to be ready to play. They're not just going to pull you off the street and throw a jersey on you and say, go do it. You have to be game ready. And to be game ready, it matters what you do when nobody's watching. It matters what you do. We can act a part. We can say that we're doing something. We can say, I can say that I'm Tom Brady. I'm not going to be throwing any touchdowns. But what Tom Brady is doing is because of what he's doing behind the scenes. And if you want to be used for God, what are you doing behind the scenes to be ready to be used by God? Time in the word, time in your prayer closet, what is going on in your heart, that's what matters. Real leaders are game ready. And God is calling us to be ready. And real leaders are bold. Stephen was bold. He gave a speech, preached a message, probably knowing in the back of his mind that he was pretty much preaching his death sentence. But he did it anyway. And that's convicting to me. And I believe I, I've shared this before when I was going through the study of Peter, that, that, that his boldness, that was convicting to me. And, and, and I want to be a leader that's bold. And I, honestly, if I'm being truthful, I haven't always been the, a bold leader. Still working on it. There are times when I should have confronted people either professionally and personally that I didn't. And, and the problem got worse instead of got better. There were situations where I should have voiced an opinion and I didn't because, because I was walking in this timidity that just crippled me and, and it just things that I should have addressed I've ignored and it caused problems over on, overall. And, and God is saying that, that you have the Holy Spirit in you. You can be bold. You have all the power that you need. You have everything that you need if you have God. And over the years, I've become more comfortable in that, but, but still a work in progress. But, but, but like Stephen's life, you know, he, he had great boldness. He, he got promoted. And, and look what happened when, when, Steve, when Stephen had a job at a church. What, what's the first thing that happened? He had people going against him. Right away. Anytime you do something for God, we have to be prepared for opposition. And they debated him, and they lied about him, and they mistreated him, and eventually they killed him. Yet Stephen, he never wavered. He never changed his message. He never did anything that, against what, what God has called him to do until he breathed his last breath. It was, he, he, just, he stayed the course. He ran his race. Stephen spoke the truth, even if it meant angering other people. And how many times have, have we been a part of that where our truth has angered people in our life? Valuing, and we got to be careful. We have to value the responsibility that we have with God more than the approval of other people. And that's hard to do. But God's calling us to be bold. God's calling us to do something higher. And, and Stephen's eyes kept on Jesus. And, and the thing is, is that we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because when you decide to live for him, when you decide that you're going to do what, what he has called you to do, then what you're going to see is there's going to be haters, there's going to be critics, there's going to be people, they say there's going to be people that are against you. And if your eyes aren't on Jesus, your eyes will go to them. And, and, and if you're not careful, it'll change your walk, it'll change your path. But when your eyes are fully on Jesus, then those voices are, are a lot quieter. 
and they don't matter. So we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. we got to be bold. And, and I love this quote from, from A.W. Tozer. He says that to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. And that is the truth. And I think a lot of us can share times when we've been persecuted or we've lost friendships or, or we've had some, some problems with, with other people because of our faith. But, but the thing is that the hatred from the world often means the approval of God. So real leaders are bold. But real leaders also endure. Stephen endured a lot. He was killed for his commitment to Christ. Choosing to be a follower of Jesus is seldom easy. and, and so Not all of us are going to be asked to, to die for our faith. But we all are going to be asked if we're willing to live for it. And in order to live for your faith, there's going to be things that you're going to have to endure. These day-to-day challenges that, that, that's hard, that's going to test our courage, that's going to test our faith. But however, these challenges, it, it, just, it, it, it shows us our commitment to what's eternal. And I have seen time and again that in the Bible and in my own life that anytime we do anything significant for God, opposition is going to come. And I'll tell you, a lot of that opposition is me. Because a lot of times when it comes to, to doing things for God or, or the things that, that will knock me off course or if I decide not to endure in something, it's because I have an idol and that idol is myself. My default idol is self. What I find comfortable, what I find enjoyable, what my preferences, what I find exciting. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I just, I read this book and this quote just resonated with me. It says, sometimes I wish ministry was more like a throne than a cross. And I think a lot of us kind of feel that way, right? That I wish that my life with Jesus was more about a throne than a cross. That, that we want to be elevated, that, that we want it to be easy. But Jesus reminded his disciples, and he's reminding us today that that we haven't been called to lordship. We've been called to servanthood. And we complain sometimes about the hardships of of doing things for God or or the hassles or the workload or the the demands that it has on our time and our energy and our commitments. And, And I think it's because sometimes we're just too important to ourselves. We care too much about our own comfort. And we want the throne instead of the cross. And God doesn't call us all to be martyrs. He isn't calling us all to die for our faith. But he does have a call. Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by, my, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What's he saying? He says, I may not ask you to die, but I'm asking you, are you willing to live for me? And doing the right thing is always the right thing, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. Jesus never said the Christian life was going to be easy. The symbol of a Christian life is a cross. And, and, and God is saying, you know, he's asking, are you, what, what do you want? Do you want a lighter cross or do you want me to strengthen your back? 
I'd rather have a stronger back than a lighter cross. And, and I repent of that sometimes because a lot of times I pray for a lighter cross when God can give me just a stronger back. And I'll tell you, to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you're going to need a strong back. That's, what the question, that's the request that we should be asking. Leadership is influence. And if you're a Christian here this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have influence. People are watching you regardless if you think they are or not. They are. They're watching you how you live. They're watching how you die. And one person that, that Stephen had influence over, and, and he might not even realize that he did, was the Apostle Paul. If you look at, at verse 58, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. I'm talking about Stephen here. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That young man named Saul will become the Apostle Paul. And so isn't it interesting that they laid down their garments, they, they took their clothes off before stoning Stephen because I think they didn't want anything hindering them as, as they just, just threw these stones at him with these lethal blows. They didn't want any, any hindrance. And they put it towards a man named Saul. And that had an impact on him. And that was a direct answer. That impact that, 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 that Paul had, that, 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 that Stephen had on Paul, was a direct answer to a prayer that Stephen had that we're going to get to in a minute when he says, don't hold this against him. As they were pelting them with rocks, he's praying, don't forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, where we've heard that before. And, and God answered that because Paul approved the killing of Stephen. But then later in Acts 22, we hear these words of Paul praying. And he says, when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. Church, we can't lose sight that people are watching us. We can't lose sight that, that our lives can be a life lived in influence. And we can't lose sight that even the hardest heart can be softened by a Savior. We can't lose hope when we think that nobody is watching, that nobody is caring, that there's no fruit coming out of our lives. There's nothing significant happening. You don't know who your influence is just by how you're living your life for God. Look at Paul, transformed by God from persecutor of Christian to a preacher of the gospel wrote letters to various churches, which happened to be a lot of the New Testament. He preached forgiveness, obedience. He, he preached relationship with God. God can change anyone. And sometimes our simple obedience and our willingness to endure and live a life sacrificially can be the key to someone's transformation and salvation. God will use the way we simply live to impact the world around us. And then finally, real leaders know their call. We know the why behind what we're doing. And what's our call? 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Following the examples of Jesus. And that's really not meant to be an option for us as Christians. We cannot walk the way that Jesus walked. We can't say the words that Jesus said 
if we don't spend time with the man. We can't know someone that we don't spend time with in prayer and in the word. So we know what he would do in situations. So we know what he would say in certain situations. We want to be like Christ. And if we want to be like Christ, it really takes three things. One, it's a complete love for God. Two, we have to be more concerned about God's glory than our own glory. And three, we have to have compassion and love for his people. See, in God's kingdom, there's no such thing as, as, as being connected as, as greater. Servanthood and obedience is the key to greatness in the kingdom of God. That's God's design. The highest honor is always found in just submission and service. And Stephen imitated Christ in his life. He, he knew this. He, 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 he saw what Jesus did. He, he understood. He knew his body. He, he understood and, and learned and he obeyed and he lived a life similar to Jesus. He, he was a servant and, and, and he lived his life as a servant and he was okay with that. And, and you look at Mark 10, 45, it says, even the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he said, if Jesus can, I can. And that was Stephen's heart. But not only did Stephen imitate Jesus by the way he lived his life, but he also imitated by the way he died. See, Stephen died with two prayers on his lips. Acts 7, 59. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. As he was being killed, he praised this prayer. Compare that to what Jesus said when he was on the cross, Luke 23, 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last, repeating the words of Jesus. And then Stephen also prayed in Acts 7, 60. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And he had... And when he had, he fell asleep. Do not hold this sin against them. Compare that to what Jesus said again on the cross in Luke 23. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And they cast lots to divide the garments. We can't imitate someone we don't know. We can't live a life like someone that we don't spend time with. And we can't repeat words of someone that we cannot hear. And kingdom leaders know their call. And our call is simply just to be imitators of Jesus. To be Christ-like. That's influence. It's not about titles. It's not about position. It's not about platform. It's about how you live your life. So to have willing, influence, you have to be willing and ready and bold and endure and know your call. But I want to share another verse from, from Acts 7. And that is 54. It says, now when he heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at them, at him. Stephen preached his gospel message. He shared his faith. He shared everything. And this was the response. Some, some versions, some translation says that they were cut to the heart. Basically, they're not happy about what they're hearing. Why were they not happy? Because their religion was exposed. And when they heard these things, when they heard the truth of God, not some watered-down version, but when they heard the truth of God, 
There was a response. They were enraged. What does that mean? That means that when the truth is preached, conviction's going to follow. And we have to understand that, that that conviction always follows truth. And yes, the conviction of the lost being saved and sinners to be, be, be forgiven, but it also should convict us as believers to get right. A strong message that Stephen did provoked a strong response. And that, that's the same then and it's the same today. Anytime, anytime we decide to live the gospel, anytime we decide to preach the gospel, anytime we decide to share the gospel, obey the gospel, anytime we try to do something a little bit more for the glory of God, what happens is you're going to get a strong reaction. And that reaction is either acceptance and repentance or it's rejection. And in Stephen's case, it was rejection, except for later Paul. And so when, I, when you hear the story of Stephen, what is your reaction? What is your conviction? What do you need to repent of? What is, it that, what is the truth of this story saying to you? What is God speaking to you this morning through the, the Stephen's message here? Or, or will you simply just say, well, that's, that really wasn't for me? I know this message convicted me. It, 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 it told me that I, I need to be more bold and, and sometimes that there's jobs and, and ministry obligations that I really just, they go against my comfort, they go against my preference and I can get frustrated instead of just simply trust God in the process. And too many times I have personally prayed for a lighter cross instead of a stronger back. But the thing is, it's not about me. It's not about my preference. It's not about my desires. It's not about my comfort. It's not about me at all. It's about doing what I'm called to do for the glory of God, to be an influence, to share the gospel, to make sure that, that a dying county in Whatcom County gets to know the truth about a Savior. And if I'm inconvenienced a little bit because of it, so be it. Be willing. As I was reading this, this week, there was a verse that just, that just caught me, and then it made me ask the question, is my life worth Jesus standing for? And you say, well, what does that mean? Because a lot of times you hear, is my life worth Jesus dying for? But is my life worth Jesus standing for? So when we talk about Jesus, and we, we normally say that he's seated at the right hand of God, the place of the highest honor and authority in heaven. But look, look at Mark 16, 19, and it explains that. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. He's seated at the right hand of God. But is my life worth Jesus standing for? I want you to notice how Jesus greets Stephen. A man who boldly confessed his faith, defended his faith to people who were opposed to it, and was his, the, actually the first martyr in the Bible. Acts 7.56. And he said, Behold, I see, and this is Stephen talking, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus is standing, welcoming Stephen. Jesus stood to welcome Stephen. He, he stood up because he saw a man that was willing to stand up for him. 
And I want my life to be like that. I want to be willing to stand up for Jesus, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's inconvenient. Jesus stood to welcome Stephen. And my question, church, is, is are you willing to stand up for him? What, how is God calling you to be a leader in the kingdom of God today? What's he saying to you? How is he communicating? Will you stand with me? Anytime the truth is preached, conviction always follows. And we can reject this and, or we can allow this to convict. But I'm asking you, where is God asking you to stand for Jesus today? Is he asking you to be more willing? Willing to do what? Whatever it takes. Willing to go against your preference, go against your comfort, go against your desires? Or is he asking you to be more ready? To, to, to take on some spiritual disciplines, to get in the prayer closet more, to get into the word more, to, to, to get off the sidelines and get ready to, to play in a game and, and prepare yourself, get to know this man, Jesus? Is he asking you to be more bold? The having the desire, you wanna be bold, all you have to do is change your desire and the desire is to, to, I'd rather hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, than get the approval of man. And once that is in your heart, you're gonna be bold. Or is he asking you to endure? More willing to sacrifice, more willing to fight, to run the race, to a desire to have a stronger back than a lighter cross. And do you know your call? because you can't imitate someone that you don't know. And so if you're here this morning, I just encourage you, we're all called to be kingdom leaders. We all have a race to, to run. We all have a calling to do. And there's no such thing as a big job or a small job in the kingdom. They're all big jobs. But know this man, Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you may be hearing, you're thinking, I don't know if I want to know this man, Jesus. I mean, this guy died, and now you got to sacrifice your time and stuff like that. I'll tell you, when you get rocked because of the love of the Father, when you have someone willing to die for you, when you have someone that's willing to give everything they have for you, I'll tell you, if it penetrates your heart, it changes the why behind everything you do. And it's not a have to, it's a I want to. I get to. And so if that's you today, I just encourage you, we're gonna have a prayer team to our left come up. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord, so thankful so thankful, thankful for the life of Stephen, but thank you, Lord, for, for the way that you lived your life, Jesus. Thank you that you can be an example that Stephen can follow, that you could be an example that we can all follow. And thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, that you have a desire for us to, to be a kingdom leader, God, that you have a desire for us to do things for you, God, that, that you love us so much and that you empower us so much and that you've given us so much that, Lord, that we, we are here just to say, God, will your will be done in our life? And Lord, we wanna hear from you. 
God, we have a, you have a purpose and a calling for every one of us here. And God, it doesn't matter the size. Lord, I just ask, God, will you reveal your heart to us in Jesus' name, God? I pray for every heart here, every person here to know the truth of who they are in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray, God, will you give us the willingness, the endurance God, will you, will you help us to be ready? God, will you help us know our call? And Lord, will you empower us to be leaders for your glory, not ours? For your kingdom, not ours? And God, will you impact this county through us, through what's going on at New Song Church, for your glory? And we love you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, thanks, guys. I hope you guys have an awesome day. If we can pray for you, we're going to have a prayer team over to my left, your right. Otherwise, have a a great, awesome Sunday, and remember to be kind to those that God has placed in your life.